Hello and welcome to First Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Kirkham. Let's start the show. In this episode, we talk with Clint Sharp in his cool home in beautiful Montclair, California. I have known Clint for about 20 years, both as a colleague and a friend. Clint is Director of Product Management, Big Data, and Operational Intelligence at Splunk, a San Francisco-based big data analysis company. Clint is an intensely curious autodidact, accomplished in whatever suits his interest, genuinely one of the most intelligent people I know. We spend time talking about big data, product management, of course Splunk, and a lot of movies. Welcome to the show, Clint. Thanks, Tom. Good to see you, always. And uh, I'll ha- I'm at your house, right? And we're recording this uh, uh, Memorial Day. Memorial Day. And you're you live in Montclair, right outside of. I guess it's outside of Oakland, or no, is it part te- of Oakland? It is technically part of Oakland. Right. Um, yep. And we're on the uh, the third story of the this, four this story. Two and a half. The second and a half story. We're on two and a half. Of uh, three many, and a half, three so, and a half. Yeah, so the, there's a story and a half before you get to the main main level. So there's, it's really like two levels, but then there's the garage, which is kind of a story and a half. So yeah, and and from here we can look down the mountain or up the mountains. Yep, and the treetops are still above us. Yeah, there's a lot. They go forever. They do. They're, this is uh, there are not many oak trees left in Oakland. Um, <laughs> there used to be. I never thought of that. <laughs> There used to be, um, but they, uh, not surprisingly, they they chopped them all down to make the town. So uh, most of the oak trees are gone now. There's a lot of redwoods up in the hills, so uh, we get a lot of uh, deer. Uh, so you have to be careful during uh, this time of year because the uh, the deer are out in force. And there's the East Bay Regional Parks District is the largest municipal parks district uh, in the United States. So they have, I don't know how many thousands of acres of, of land. And so this ridge up over, over just probably mile, two miles that way is Redwood Regional Park. And it's, it's massive and it's, it's a huge Redwood forest and, and all that. Uh, so the deer, they don't, they don't know where the park ends. So they just, they wander all around here and they're kind of a nuisance actually. But, uh, but is, it, is this where you can drive through the Redwood tree? Is that right? Right in this no, area? no. Actually, you can drive through the. That's in that's in Humboldt County, which is about five hours north of here. Yeah, I'm not uh, making it there. On yeah, this you're trip. not going to make it there. We we uh, we almost did that once. <laughs> <laughs> we thought about we thought about uh, but, driving through the tree and then decided just to go home. Instead. YouTube it. Just yeah, watch it. <laughs> you know, you've seen the pictures, right? So it's, it's. I'm I'm sure it's I'm sure it's that good. Well, I've been. In San Francisco, I've been up in the wine country. I've been here a lot, you know, over the year, 20, 30 years I've visited and everything. I've never seen anything like this area. It's just it's just stunningly beautiful. And, and Montclair is such a, like a quaint little town. And, and my idea was, well, this is a, a hippie-come-yuppie uh, neighborhood now because it just looked like hippie. You know, Hippieville, because I, you know, I'm, I'm going down the highway. Oh, we're right near Berkeley. You know, I'm, I'm just thinking this whole thing when I'm driving up here, and uh, it's just, it's just a beautiful little town, and and just, uh, it's really neat. I can see why you'd love living. Yeah, here. it's really, it's old, and so the, so you have a lot of redwoods, but also most of what you see out there is eucalyptus, and so the, uh, some genius in the 1800s uh, decided to import uh, eucalyptus trees from Australia. Did they bring koala bears too? No, they didn't bring any of the bears. They just brought the trees, and the trees are a major nuisance. So they, they grow fast. They starve out uh, all of the other trees, so they, they tend to kill the native redwoods and oaks and things like that. And uh, they shed big, long, which you saw out in the backyard, they shed these big, long strips of bark. Uh, they also secrete uh, a very flammable oil. Uh, which is part of what started the fire in '91. Uh, so there's a, uh, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you uh, have ever used the site Nextdoor. Um, there's a, it's a, it's like a neighborhood social network. Um, and so the, on Nextdoor, I was watching these people post about they want the government wants to come in and remove these eucalyptus trees, because they're a huge fire hazard. And the tree huggers want to protect all the trees, whether they're good trees or bad trees. And so there's this massive threat from people on both sides of the uh, both sides of the issue. Um, but yeah, that's the that's sort of the makeup of the makeup of the hills. It's a nice it's a nice neighborhood. Yeah, well, it's 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 like being on vacation right here 
at your house. It is, and I'm so, and I'm 30 minutes from work, which is which is amazing because I work in downtown San Francisco. So is that 30 minutes with traffic? Uh, 40 sometimes, but 30 to 40. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a pretty pretty reason. And my my office is down by the Giant Stadium uh, in San Francisco. And so I, you know, I get off on the bridge, and it's a, you know, it's a five-minute drive off the bridge. So, you know, I, I like it. I like it. Everything about this, uh, my commute and everything else. The, uh, the only downside of Oakland is that, you know, going down to like Cupertino or whatever is a, is a massive. Anytime you cross a bridge in the Bay Area, it's just it's miserable. Yeah, I didn't have to cross a bridge. I came up. Uh, you came up the the south way. You came yeah, up we're not going to do a Californian thing on the Saturday Night Live, are you? you take the I five to the. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, yeah, the Californians? Yeah, you, 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 you took the 237 to the Stuart. Well, that's the Southern California thing is to yeah. call it the, right? It's right. The, right. The, the 5, the, the 880. The, the PCH. Yeah, the PCH. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, actually, if you want a fun drive and, and you ever come to California, you should definitely go down uh, south of Monterey, down to Big Sur, and take the 1 down that way. It's gorgeous right along the coast. Uh, all the way down there. I'd love to, and uh, I did. I've been to Santa Barbara a couple of times. I don't know if you've been there, but that's a beautiful there. little town. Uh, and it's, of course, it's just north of Malibu and all that. I drove. That's far north as I got on PCH. But you know, you it go takes, through it Malibu. Takes a, while, takes a while to get there from LA, right? I mean, it it seems hours, like right? it's. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I can't remember. Um, I think it'll take you pretty much all day to drive the coast up from LA like it's a because of the winding roads and all that I think yeah I think it's six drive. or seven hours from yeah. San Francisco to LA on PCH so and then you got golly all the way down to San Diego I, I have driven it down to San Diego uh but not not up in the northern part well you know I uh I, t- I came back from Disneyland one time we were driving from Orange County up to San Francisco and that that <laughs> It took ten hours on a Thanksgiving weekend, like it was miserable, miserable. The 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 the, the five, <laughs> the five can be miserable. So uh, you you've got a uh, you have a job with a company uh, by the name of Splunk. Splunk, that's right. So uh, what's your what's your position at Splunk? And for explain uh, what your position is and exactly what Splunk does. Sure. So my uh, my position is director of product management, and we can talk a little bit about what that is because it's a it's an interesting job. Uh, and Splunk makes uh, data analysis software that helps you analyze machine generated data, and that is generally uh, originated sort of log files, computer log files. So you know, as you're you know even sitting there on your Mac, if you you know go into your var log directory, there's uh, there's a bunch of log files created by the Mac. Uh, each one of them are, are designed generally to be human readable in terms of they'll, they're, they're designed to be read for troubleshooting purposes, but there's a lot of really valuable information. Um, we call it sort of machine data exhaust. Like, you know, as you go about doing your thing, you know, using your computer, browsing the web, you know, opening up your phone, using an app, uh, all the things that you do generates, uh, data. And that's sort of the exhaust of, of, doing those transactions you generate all sorts of other data that says okay you access this this page at this time you uh you know there was this error as part of that process and it took you know it took longer or failed you know and when you go to a website and you get a failure uh you know there's there's a record written of that and we help you analyze that software in bulk so i take it that uh, one of your biggest customers is the nsa Maybe <laughs> you can neither confirm nor deny this. I, I can neither confirm nor deny that, yeah. that they. You know. Well, they're they. I guess they're the biggest uh, data miners out there. Supposedly, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. I can. So, what is a real world example and uh, a and a company you could speak about as an example? Uh, wh- how would how would a, a private company utilize this data? Yeah, I'll, I'll give one that that. Um, is probably pretty easily understood by anybody who sits on their sofa with a remote, right? So Comcast is a large customer of ours, and they used this very heavily during the rollout of their new X1 system, which I have I have in my house, and sometimes I just sit there and flip the remote back and forth, like cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is it called uh, uh, when you're clicking on ads for your own benefit? Uh, oh, yeah. What, uh, uh, my father-in-law used to say, uh, you know, he would uh, – he was an upholsterer, and he's like, you know, I should come in here and just slit the, you know, slit the, <laughs> slit the sofa, slit the cushion here in, in this restaurant, and leave my business card, right? You know, that sort of thing. 
break the window to sell the glass, all that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so they they use this heavily in the rollout of that of that system, and so they actually had a number of problems. It, obviously, a uh, a cable company has a complicated set of systems, right? Everything from when you provision uh, a new customer, you go to their website, call them up on the phone, and they want to provision you a new service, increase your internet speed, decrease your internet speed troubleshoot the uh, when they have technicians in the field and they want to understand you know why your home internet's not working well but specifically with the rollout of this x1 they were having a lot of problems with the latency of changing channels right so um and it, it is interesting as a as a consumer of cable the it used to be that you would just you know on old analog cable is you can flip through channels pretty fast like you know but now with the new digital systems like it takes oh my gosh hotels Television set. I, you, why even bother? I mean, yeah. first of all, you got to. If shift. you don't know what you're looking for, you might as well just not even bother, right? Yeah, because you can't flip through the channels just to see what's on. And there's no. And the guide always sucks if there is one. Mm-hmm. And it's like you turn a TV on in a hotel room, and whatever channel it's on is where it's going to stay <laughs> because it's, it's pointless to even try to do any anything else with it. Well, so they were having similar problems with you know all of the beta customers for their for their x1 right service. so the latency on channel flipping would make it unusable if it's too slow yep so and you know they were generating you know every time that you took an action on your x1 set every time and and keep in mind that that when you take an action on your x1 set it's all digital so there's not you know there used to be in in cable um uh, Cable's an RF system, old analog cable, right? So it's, it's actually literally the same thing as you got over the air, but sent over a cable instead of over the air, right? So it's actually radio frequency being run over a uh, over an analog cable wire. And they used to have what they called QAMs, which were basically six megahertz sections of the full spectrum that you would send over these uh, over these cables. And as they went digital, they started slicing off six megahertz QAMs that they started to use for digital. And so now everything that goes to your set the majority of the old analog cable has been converted to, to digital in, in little sections at a time. And now it's all IP. So everything on your everything on your set is a private IP network that exists between your X1 box that comes over the cable that you plug into the X1 box, and it's actually bidirectional. They have they use one of the qualms to go back upstream, and they use multiple qualms to come down to you. And so when you're changing channels, you're actually creating a new, I don't know whether they're using multicast or unicast, but they're creating a new stream to your individual box, right? And so um, that has a lot of components to it, right? So as you're changing channels, lots of machinery changes, right? So you're you're subscribing to a new digital stream that's coming down to your box. Uh, there are multiple interactions and everything from like your startup time to like, you know, when your box starts up, it gets an address from DHCP. Uh, it makes numerous uh, web services calls back to the home office and all of that. Uh, every time one of those transactions happens, log entries get written uh, to at various places inside of their architecture. And so they gathered all of that data, terabytes of data a day, and they aggregated it all into our system. They can use our system to search and analyze that data. And we have a rich language that allows them to to add structure to that unstructured data. So the, the data may look like a timestamp and then something like an info or error or something along those lines, along with a text description of what actually happened. That's a general log entry. And we allow you to... Uh, use uh, various techniques to structure the data and take it out and say, okay, that was an error message. That was an informational message. This was from this user, from this IP address at this specific time. And using our language, you can you can graph the data, visualize the data, run machine learning techniques against it to look for anomalous uh, values and look for errors and, and things of that nature. And that's, what, that's the product that you manage? Yeah. Or yes. How many products does Splunk have? Uh, there's, there's a dozen-ish of varying sizes. Uh, and I, I work uh, in the IT markets group, so my my goal is to, you know, the the guy who sits there and runs your IT department, The my goal is to represent his his personas, we call them. Uh, so our, we have, you know, little fake people that we, that we analyze and we say, this guy, this guy is a Unix sysadmin, this guy's a Windows admin. And so we, we, are those stereotypical? I mean, they smell bad and all that. Oh, we, we actually do write that up. We actually, so we have, we have, uh, we have a guy whose name is, uh, uh, Lawrence. Jeff and yep. he is, he's a Unix sysadmin bastard operator from hell. He has long hair. He's been doing this job for 25 years. You know, every time you approach him, he's a total prick. Um, yeah, and like we, these personas are detailed. We talk about who they are. We have a, we have a Windows Active Directory admin. Like he's, you know, we're not very friendly about him. We don't think a whole lot of him, but you know, the, he's corporate nice. Yeah, exactly. To, to your face. Yeah, 
exactly. Yeah. Oh wow. That's well. Who who's who's the uh, who's the friendliest persona that you that you guys have like? I mean, who do you like? Uh, who do? <laughs> I mean, we like Jeff. I mean, like her, the Unix sysadmin is kind of well, who, dude, you, right? who are you going to have a beer with out of all the personas that you oh, guys def- modeled? Def- definitely the Unix uh, sysadmin. I mean, like because really? I mean, like I mean, he 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 hates all the stupid users. That's that's the whole that's the whole portion. They're the the whole point, right? Yeah, for I just want to make it clear that uh, Kirkham Systems doesn't. <laughs> we don't have a Unix guy there, right? So. Uh, yeah, that's a little different thing. We do we do have some uh, a, a we do some AD management, but uh, so uh, <laughs> well, the, the, most you, of our stuff's Windows. Te- te- technology guys are are generally Unix guys, you know. So that's uh, you know we. Yeah, yeah, right. Linux and Unix and all that. You're open source, right? Or we're not. We're we're, we're we have a free offering. Free is in beer, right? But we are we are we are uh, closed source. Which actually uh, the the modern trend in the valley is to build all all this type of infrastructure stuff is open source and that i i don't understand it because i you know i'm happy that open source exists out there in the world it also really uh, sort of pisses me it's a it's a very communist way of looking at the world and that's great because you know we need some communists in our life too uh, but you know they sort of destroy value in every ecosystem they come into. But the open source guys would tell me they're creating value. It's just that it doesn't create shareholder value. And that that <laughs> as a person who's trying to feed his family, I I you know I'm I'm kind of a fan of shareholder value. Well, uh, whenever uh, Elon Musk released, uh, he open sourced a lot of the Tesla technology. I was I was like, uh, uh, okay, I'm good with that. I'm good because his idea is a rising tide lifts all ships. Uh, and when Chevrolet gets theirs out, and all these other companies get pure electric cars out, then he's helping fund that whole infrastructure, or helping other. He's helping bring along the entire infrastructure that it takes to support EVs. So anyway, that, no, that's I, I, gener- I generally agree with that. So I mean, in general, open source excels at infrastructure. And so when it's when it's that substrate of computing, like distributed computing is hard. So uh, our system scales to uh, there are customers who are ingesting petabytes of data daily into our system and storing and storing petabytes. Right. Uh, you know, not quite to the exabyte scale, I don't think, but getting close. Right. And so with with that with that type of system that scales into the thousands of nodes, like it takes a lot of you know computer science wizardry to make distributed computing problems solvable. Uh, and given how hard they are, it generally makes sense for everybody to share the infrastructure and start to provide value on top. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit tongue in cheek in terms of the, the communist sort of thing in general, in general, like the, I'm happy that infrastructure moves towards this is Bernie Sanders country, isn't it? Uh, you know, I, I think there are some fans that I, I, uh, not, not me personally, but, uh, uh, but yeah, there, there, uh, there probably are. So definitely Berkeley, you know, we go, oh, we, we go right. 10 minutes north, you know. Uh. So it, now in your role as product manager, you're all, you travel all over the world and you evangelize too, right? You, the, I evangelize. The, so the, the product manager is the CEO of the product is, is the general sort of industry uh, quip about what is, what is our responsibility and the, uh, our responsibilities are a little bit of everything. So in, in that sort of role, you know, one day I may be writing code one day I'm most of the time I'm doing PowerPoints. That's most of what my job is. Uh, but, you know, writing requirements, documents, evangelism, uh, marketing, sales, I do whatever is required in order to make the product successful. How do you, how do you inspire people for a product like that? Is it, cause I've, I've seen some of your, you've got some, uh, uh, presentations on YouTube, right? Have you ever done a Ted talk? Or am I thinking of somebody else? No, I've never it? done a TED Talk. Okay. Maybe I'm thinking I'm of thinking that show with the- Don Cheadle, I, uh, on Showtime. Um, what, what's the name of that? It, you, I don't. You, if you haven't seen it, you, this is totally. You know, you're not going to give a shit. But one of the guys in his pod, he's a finance. Uh, he's a. It's a financial advisor. These um, MBA consultants, you know, that just go in and fleece the company for millions of dollars. Well, that's what he does. That's what Don Cheadle does. And one of his guys got gets a TED talk anyway. Anyway, I've been thinking about doing one of those those uh, onion talks though. Uh, have <laughs> I haven't seen, seen those. Oh, you should watch them. They're oh. they're awesome. I mean the. Uh, I mean, it's so easy to parody that that sort of TED Talk uh, formula, and man, they they the Onion does it over the top, like they do everything over the. You should definitely get definitely. So I'm thinking about doing one of those those Onion talks, but um, 
No, I've, I've given a lot of, I, I do a lot of presentations. I, I sometimes say that, you know, public speaking, like, what do you do for a living? Eh, public speaking. Like, because whether it's sales or whether it's, it's doing conferences or whatever else, it, you know, it's all public speaking. Yeah. And, and I've seen, I've seen one or two of your videos. You do an excellent job. I mean, it, it's, it's good stuff. I mean, uh, it's hard to, it, one of the things that's fascinated me about you, of how long have we known each other? 20 years, give yeah. or take? Yeah. Um, one of the things that fascinates me, it's always in the back of my mind, whenever I see you progress in your different jobs going from IPA and then through Profitline and AT&T and all these other places you've been, that little thing that you've always said about the Peter Principle is always in the back of my mind. <laughs> At what point am I going to get there? Is that the question? <laughs> well, because I, 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 don't, I, don't I don't believe in that principle, first of all. Because I think that if you have, I think that I don't think it's a blanket statement. I think you've proven it false. Because I think that, uh, I don't think, I think people can develop skills and talents as long as they have the attitude and the desire and the, the curiosity to learn and learn and learn as they get older. When people get in their 30s and 40s is when they have a ten, many people have a tendency to quit learning. And they think they know everything, and you're not like that. No, I spend all I spend you know a good portion of my time uh, playing with technology. Like so, there's a uh, there's a there's a massive shift going on in the software world in terms of architecture. So cloud is changing everything, and cloud first architectures are changing everything. So the way in which we used to build software, the sort of traditional three tier architecture. Oh yeah, that's gonna, yeah. So everything's changing, right? So workloads need to be ephemeral, dynamically scalable. They need to be resilient to failure. Um, and that that's changing the way everybody is building software. And in order to keep up with those types of shifts, it requires a massive time investment. And it's not like they, they, that I have time to do this during work hours. I'm, right. You know, I, during work hours, I'm in meetings eight hours a day. I don't, I don't have time to actually use technology. But as a, if I'm going to if I'm going to be the person writing the requirements and saying like, you know, and analyzing markets and saying, this is the market we need to be in. These are the products we need to build. If I'm supposed to be designing a vision for the future, I have to actually have my hands on keyboard. And that's, that's a, uh, that's a huge difference between, you know, what a lot of people who get to be in middle management would do, which was what they would say is like, Oh, I got people who do that for me. Like they'll, they'll tell me what, what I, but I can't, I, I can't trust uh, if I don't experience it, how how am I how am I supposed to be a person to say like the these these are good techniques these are good technologies these are good uh, products these are not good products I need to know what my competition is doing which means I have to use their products right right and and, and you know some of that and, and see that works perfect for you and that and that curiosity and that continuing to learn and evolve and everything is is you know that's why you're one of those unique individuals that you know if 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 you were Secretary of State. You would develop the skills to be a, a commensurate politician, you know. I mean, just top of the line, right? And uh, but you know, getting back to that, you you're a hands-on kind of guy, and you learn it in and out. Well, other people have different styles, so you know, Jobs never wrote a line of code. He's a marketing guy, or was a marketing guy, and he did pretty good. Assembled a good team. So it's it. Some of that has to go with your own unique. Gifts and talents and and interests too. Well, as, so. as, a, as a leader, you have to recognize what your what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. And bad managers try to hire a bunch of people who look exactly like them because they think, oh, like I'm pretty good, so I'll hire more people who look like me, and then we'll have a team full of me's, and that'll be great. I I I do the exact opposite. <laughs> I attempt to hire people who are not anything like me. I mean, th- things I'm good. I'm I'm generally good at. I'm good at sales, so I'm good at selling people on ideas primarily. Um, I'm good at uh, you know creating a vision, and and I'm good at driving people. I'm good at uh, at pushing or pulling the organization depending on what's required. But I'm not organized. I'm not an execution guy. Uh, I'm not a detail guy. Uh, and so I have people on my team who do those things incredibly well. They are, you know, I have uh, a guy who works for me who. Uh, has taken this product that I've been working on for the last couple of years, and he's the reason the product is successful. I got everybody to agree that this is a great thing to do and where we should go, 
and I wrote most of the requirements for it. It was designed for an IT person. I knew the persona really well. I made sure that the product features were the right fit, but the execution portion, like the day-to-day sitting with people and saying, are you getting it done? Are you getting it done? You know, working with customers, lining them up, like all of the sort of detail work, he, he did all that because that's not, that's not me. I don't yeah, I, I can completely relate. I've, I'm not a detail guy and I'm not execution. That, that's, here's, here's the, and I, and I probably do a shittier job of selling the, the ideas and convincing. But sometimes just brute force, will, it'll go ahead and it'll it'll finally get in there. And I find myself usually about a year in front of everybody. So I get really frustrated that nothing's happening. And then finally, about a year later, somebody takes it and runs with it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but it works, you know, it works for me. But uh, by then I'm already off on something else. You know, I'm buying, you know, Bitcoin or some, you know, some shit. So I'm trying to work up a project. You know, right now there's there's three ways to make money in cryptocurrency. You write code, you write an app, or write something. Right? You you build something, you speculate on the currency itself, <laughs> or uh, let's see, what was the third way? Uh, uh, or you VC it. You you're an angel or a VC, and you're you're funding it. Right? That's the three ways. It's the only three ways you can make money in it because none of the companies are public. And you know, buying City Stock or Chase Stock is a that you're just you're just a on the edge, that's nothing. That's not even though they do Bitcoin stuff. But yeah, I've, I've been trying to trying to come up with an app, and uh, so I was thinking about a game. You know, they they've already put a country on Ether. You know, like you can be a citizen of this virtual country. The okay. constitution's built into the blockchain and everything. And uh, so those things, you just all these possibilities are out there. You know, you, you know, will, will this be recognized by the United Nations? Will you get a passport? Because the only you know, difference... People, people will pay for passports. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, what is the Jay-Z song? I got five passports. I'll never go to jail. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. It, there's, a, there's a guy... There's a, a few websites where, yeah. Well, a passport from this country will cost you about $100,000. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah, there's, yeah. I've, I've read about this. I, I've actually sort of... Uh, uh, I've always thought that maybe I might want, you know, another identity someday just in case I screw this one up. <laughs> Oh, man, I was watching a movie. Oh, I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I've never watched The Shawshank Redemption until last week. <laughs> How is that even possible? It's like, it's, like, it's like saying, I know people who haven't watched Star Wars, too, you know, so, I mean, I guess anything's possible. Uh, yeah, well, I had no idea. Well, it's three hours long, and I'm like, God, it's a prison movie for three hours, and, you know, Morgan Freeman, I, you know, hey, he's awesome, but, you know, his voice does get on your nerves after a little while. And, uh, but you know, uh, I, I, I was just blown away by him creating this persona, this, this, this fictional person. I don't, I guess everybody's seen it, but me, so I can go ahead and give the <laughs> ending away, but then he just steps into it and that just blew my mind. It's like, wow, this, this could happen today, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's identity theft for, for, from somebody that never even existed in the first place. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it would have been easier, you know? 60 or 70 years ago but i mean there, there's got to be there's got to be ways to work around the system right you know i mean like the but it's it seems like uh actually i was i was traveling with a guy in germany uh a couple of weeks ago and uh he had one of these sort of interesting lives where his dad was a was like a british serviceman and somehow he had ended up in the being born in the united states uh, to uh, to uh, like a British serviceman, so he had like three different passports. He had like U.S., U.K., and Canada, I think. Yeah. So no, maybe he was he's a naturalized U.S. citizen. He was born in Canada, and he was born to British parents. So he had all three passports, and so he, we were we we were in a tight connection in London. And he's like, you know, like I've only got I've only got like. Two hours to get, and Heathrow's miserable. Uh, the because you have to go back through security no matter where you came through, and there's security. They, every time I get my bag kicked out, every single time because I carry my camera stuff with me. So uh, every time, I always when I came out here, I had a TSA thing inside my bag. Yeah, yeah. So so with that, so uh, he's like, I got a tight connection, so I think I'm just going to pull out my British passport and, and and go through that way. You know, it should be a shorter line. And it's like that that sort of thing just amazes me. Like this idea that you're just walking around with with multiple passports. You know. It's really that the whole the whole thing's ludicrous anyway. You know, like I, I'm I'm a member of this tribe, so uh-huh. I can go into your country. That that I, I'm not wired that way. You know, a foreigner is just somebody who's over here instead of over there, uh-huh. right? 
Oh, I mean, so, I've got a, I've got a Canadian working for me, and we've been working for the last year to get him a green card, and we like those guys. And it take it takes. I mean, like you have to be dedicated to want to come to this country and work. Uh, mean, meanwhile, like you know, the we can't hire enough skilled laborers. Oh, so how many people work in that company? Is about two thousand twenty two hundred. Twenty two hundred. Because I I remember when I sent you the picture of the the booth at the National Retail Show in January. And I mentioned your name, and they didn't know you. And you and you sent back a text that says, "Yeah, the, 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 half the people that work in the company just started what in the last six months or something last like year, that." Yeah. yeah, last year. Yeah, that was like wow. That, that was uh, that was funny. But I don't know if you if you if your position is like that. How many product managers are there at Splunk? Uh, thirty of us. Do you maybe. get to use the CEO? Are you at that level? <laughs> I, I, they don't. They, that we're, it, we're we're egalitarian. We don't have special restrooms, Tom. Oh well, does he have a special parking place? Uh, no, actually, no. He he's, well, he has a. Does, does he have an use the handicap place to park? <laughs> he might because I, I think that's a Silicon Valley thing. <laughs> the the jobs in sort of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it, there's there's not a lot of product managers. It's it's generally a. Uh, there's just not a lot of people that that do that role. But the. Uh, yeah, I mean, many many people know me. It's 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 actually it it was actually kind of surprising that nobody nobody did, but you know they're probably all new. I mean, like yeah. the uh, well, who's going to have the booth duty? Right, yeah, it's exactly. going to be the lowest guy on the totem pole. Oh, I hate booth duty. Yeah, yeah. That I, well, you don't you don't do that. You don't do trade I, shows. I do did. You? I did. So when I started at the company, um, you know, so career advice for people, right? In general, the always take every opportunity that that's in front of you. I mean, I, that's been sort of the I would say for, you know, what what I've done with my career is when when something presented itself, I took it. You know, when it, when I had the opportunity to go work for a major telecommunications company, I took it because you know, I mean, what were the other what were the chances that you know, uh, somebody without a college degree growing up in in Arkansas, what other route was I going to get to working for a major Fortune 100 company? So when it was offered, I took it. Right, mm-hmm. same sort of thing with. Uh, when I went to work for Splunk, I was uh, I was wrapping up a. I'd been at uh, Cricket Communications, which most people knew Cricket, a cell phone company. I'd been there six years. I was running application operations for them in IT, and being in IT, being in the cost center, honestly, was kind of a bummer because, like, you know, you're you know you're going to be a fixed percentage of revenue, right? So your department is going to grow at the rate that the company grows, and nothing that you do is going to change anything about you know your department right that's like, like the dilbert deal it is it, yeah. it and so it, you know you're just you're just you're just there because you have wheel. to be there right like you just got to be there right you got to have wheel. it and all that you're not going to make a material impact on the business you're not going to you're not going to grow the top line best you can do is optimize cost right and so fundamentally like you're there to make the bean counters happy right if you can save some money everybody everybody's happy and you know so i wanted to move to the revenue side of the business and uh uh, I got to know the marketing department at Splunk because I was a reference customer. So we had bought the product in 2009, and uh, you know I was a middle management, you know, IT guy. So anytime they can get like a person with a director title as a re- anytime we can get a director as a reference, we're you know director VP. Like you know, we are they're still our best friends. Like even even you know uh, five years later, almost like you know we're we're still like oh my god, we got this you know we got this guy. He's a good speaker. Like you know he he runs a department. Like you know he's gonna be a fantastic reference. So I got to know a lot of the marketing folks, and um, uh, I was uh, I took an opportunity to speak for them at a Gartner symposium in Orlando, and I flew down there and I was doing a. Uh, I was doing an analyst briefing with this with this uh, analyst, and I just you know I didn't really know much about Gartner at the time. That that's they're uh, they're they're an interesting uh, organization, but the, the they analyst, li- they make a lot of money doing research. They do make a lot of money, and and I I have I have both more and less respect for them at the same time, uh, being for having been on the vendor side. Um, research is a hard job. I mean, it takes a lot. Like they have to talk to a ton of customers, ton of vendors, you know, to try to understand the market and where it's going. Uh, but I felt like this analyst was really kind of getting it wrong. And so like, I just basically took over the briefing, like opened up my laptop and like, let me show you what we're doing. And like, you know, I'm showing him like a live demo and the chief marketing officer who named Steve Somer, he's still at the company. Um, that impressed him. And, you know, he's like, Hey, would you like to come work for a software company? And I'm like, well, I was living in Denver at the time and, uh, we had already moved so many times. Um, and, 
I was thinking, you know, if I want to make a transition to the revenue side of the organization, like they were offering me a job in marketing. I don't know anything. About what, what the hell is marketing? I know what they do now, but at the time, like I knew nothing about like, I'm like, what am I going to do for you in marketing? Like I'm a, I'm an IT guy. He's like eh, technical marketing. I'm like, that's a thing. <laughs> it's yeah. a thing. Um, and so I did that for, for about a year before I went into product management and I, I moved my family out here and the, the way I sold it and it was actually true is that this is the last move. Like I'm, we're just going to, we're going to move out here. We can't go any further west. Like, we're at the edge. I mean, well, technically I can move to San Francisco, I guess, or maybe, you know, Marin or something, right? But, uh, you know, but we're about as far west as you can go because, I mean, you know, the ocean is literally a couple miles from my house. And so, uh, done. We're here. How long have you, how many people were at Splunk when you started? 350. Wow. Uh, how long have you been there? Four, a little over four years. Wow. Wow. So, so what other things are, is Splunk doing besides... Uh, not working for the NSA in data mining. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so we, so we we're used heavily in uh, our our two biggest markets are in IT and security. So um, in IT, we help people run their IT shops, and we have a, a variety of products that help them manage and monitor their IT infrastructure, their cloud infrastructure. You know, really? Yeah. So it's like a RMM platform, uh, except you're just reading the logs. Or- well, so I mean, so it's an engine for data. So I can feed it any any type of time series data. So if I want to be looking at, you know, the perform, you know, CPU, IO, application response time, uh, et cetera, uh, also look for errors. I can search for, you know, so I, it's a search-based paradigm for looking at all that data, but it, it works on metric and, and log data, any, any, type of, any type of data that you want to feed it. And then the, on the security side, obviously, uh, security is incredibly event-driven in terms of, uh, you know, I want to find out if these malicious actors are, you know, in, you know uh, running around on the... And in fact, you are penetrated. It's pretty much a guarantee. Uh, you know, there's, there's something going on inside of, your, uh, inside of your enterprise, and so we'll help you look, look through all that data as well. Yeah. Give me five of your favorite movies. Ah, I had movies written down on my on my show notes, so I was like, ah, we should do really? movies. Well, we'll and we do the show notes. Okay, there, awesome. you ought to do the one with uh, look up the Melanie Radcliffe show notes on the website. There's some real funny clips I found from Blazing Saddles and uh, the Jerk. No, not Blazing Saddles, but the Jerk. I that was one jerk. of her. Movies. I know that's I a great jerk, movie. You know, uh, uh, what's the line that I always say from the Jerk? Um, he hates these cans. There you go. That was mine. That's mine. That's and and mine. I and I did another one during the show. I said, uh, Navin R. Johnson, typical <laughs> asshole. It, you know what he says, though, is it's bastard in oh, the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that either. But when I found the video clip on YouTube, he says, typical bastard. Yeah, I, least- tried to find, I tried to find the um, – uh, what I always say is, uh, this is perfect. I don't have to change this at all. And uh, which is what he says when he go when they sh- when he gives them the room in the back of the of the gas station. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so I, that's the line I always use, and like nobody knows. So I have all these quote all these quotes that I that I always say, and, and no nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about. They just they just look at me. A lot of them are from Friday or the South Park movie is the uh, is probably the most the most offensive of them. And and Melanie is unfortunately the victim of. Uh, Sorry, different Melanie. My wife Melanie, who's in the the room behind us, uh, is the, is the victim of many of the of the South Park the movie quotes. But we we watched we watched South Park the movie. So on on lists of favorites, I mean, I definitely put that up there. I mean, South Park the movie, nineteen ninety nine. So it's sixteen, seventeen years old wow. now, and uh, it holds up incredibly well. We just rewatched it uh, a couple weeks ago. It was great. It was fantastic. All, of course, I know all, I know the words the pretty much the whole movie and all the songs and, and all that. So yeah, it was, it was very festive on list of favorite movies. Big Lebowski always on the top of the list. Um, love Wes Anderson flicks. So, uh, the, the quintessential favorite is, is, uh, gotta be, uh, the Royal Tenenbaums, but you know, his more recent ones are, are excellent as well. Like the grand Budapest hotel was great. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom, I liked an awful lot. Uh, I love Christopher Guest movies, so A Mighty Wind. I love A Mighty Wind. It's it's one of his less known uh, ones. I mean, so like, there's Waiting for Guffman, A Mighty Wind. Uh, there's uh, uh, Home for per- No, no, that was the name of the movie in the movie. What was the Oh, For Your Consideration? It was it was okay, uh, but but definitely A Mighty Wind is definitely at the top of the list. Um, 
I do love action flicks, so like you know, I find myself I, I find myself watching the Bourne movies quite frequently. And I'm very I'm very I'm very excited that there's going to be a fourth uh, Matt Damon Bourne movie. Um, yeah, he does good on those. Speaking of Matt Damon, uh, T- Team America, another one at the top of the list. Matt Damon. Uh, so there's a story behind that that whole thing. So apparently they uh, the doll came in defective. The Matt Damon doll. So they, you know, they ordered all these marionette puppets for the for Team America, and uh, the Matt Damon doll came in defective. Like his mouth didn't move at quite the right speed. So they 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 couldn't make it. So they just made up the whole Matt Damon thing because that that that's the best thing they could come up with for the for the marionette that they had. Um, oh God, there's so many great movies, and I watch I watch movies all the time. Yeah, that that. Uh, well, I, I told you I confessed earlier that I just now saw the Shawshank Redemption, which I, I, you know, I just never watched it, you know. And uh, well, the ni- the nineties was really sort of a heyday of you know fantastic because you have all the Quentin Tarantino movies from the nineties, so Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. I mean, oh, and Sh- uh, Django. Uh, that that's uh, just a wicked wicked movie. It was. It, I, I have not yet seen the Hateful Eight. I'm trying to convince. Uh, yeah, I neither. Melanie to watch it with me. She's been. Uh, she's been putting it off for some reason. But yeah, definitely. I uh, definitely a Quentin Tarantino fan. Uh, the '90s was because I mean you also had, you had you had some sort of uh, sleeper hits. Pun intended. Sleepers was a great movie. Um, like the the '90s was just fantastic. I mean, you had the Usual Suspects. You know Kevin Spacey and uh, oh seven. Well, you got to talk oh, Brad great. Pitt and and what's Kevin in the box? Spacey. What's in the box? Yeah, yeah. That's a that that movie sends chills. That that and um the uh, the Hannibal Lecter. John movie. Doe has the upper hand. John Doe has the upper hand. Speaking of Morgan Freeman. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The uh the but the uh and I don't do thrillers. I don't really like horror movies, and so seven creeps me out. And and the other one is when Hannibal Lecter opens up Ray Liotta's skull and eats his brain. That 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 just I, I just like. Ugh. Well, Silence of the Lambs is another '90s movie, '91, '92, and it is a great movie. But it, the the second one where he eats his yeah, brain while he's that, yeah. oh my god, that just weirds me out. It just weirds me out to this day. I just like turn whenever I see it on television. It's like oh, I can't watch this. This is not right. And then I watch. I, you know, it's it's like car wreck. <laughs> Gotta look. Um, but, uh, yeah, those are, those are all great picks. I'll have to go through there on the uh, show notes. Now, do you read, you read books, right? Yeah, I read books. Um, what you reading now? Uh, I was reading, uh, the Expanse series by James S.A. Corey, which is, uh, it's a science fiction series. It's actually the Expanse on sci-fi, which is a television series now. Uh, and I've been reading those. Those were great. Uh, I read a great, uh, I'm a big fan of sort of the post-apocalyptic uh, so I don't know if it's fully a genre. Maybe it's a subgenre. Uh, Margaret Atwood, uh, the uh, what was it? Uh, Year of the Flood. Um, I read another great one called Station Eleven. I can't remember the name of the author. Uh, I read. <sighs> it's hard with books because there's su- there's there's such a massive time investment that like I. I'm very discerning about picking a new one. I, I mean, uh, when I was on vacation last year in Hawaii, um, I read The Martian and I read um, something else that week as well. But I read The Martian in one day. Like it was The it was Martian's great. in my Kindle right now. It's good. I read it in one day. It was really, I, really good. And I've got hundreds of books in my Kindle. And I, you're right. It's a time investment. It's a commitment. And my last couple of weeks ago, I took a vacation and my buddy – in Fort Lauderdale, told me, I think I told you this, well, I already bought The Art of the Deal by Trump, and I sat there on the beach and read it two days. And uh, Did it change your life? I want to buy a high-rise. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the way he does these deals, it's, I mean, that's the way the guy works. And, and he's no different now than he was then. I mean, he just, he wakes up, he doesn't have an appointment. He doesn't have agenda. He just, everything is from the hip. And that's what he wrote in the book. I don't plan anything, and that seems very, very I, I, apparent. It's the same thing, and uh, so anyway, yeah, yeah, it made me want to get into real estate investment. If this guy, you know, just uh, yeah, he had some money, it makes it easier. But what he did can be done by anybody. It's just a matter of scale, you know. And uh, he just puts together deals, and 
Yeah, it was kind of neat. I, I was I got a newfound respect for Donald Trump because of the the business deals that he did. Now I don't think he does anything like that anymore. I don't think he's that brilliant. Yeah, you know, they did an analysis. You've you've seen this on on the <clears throat> social webs where uh, he uh, had he have just invested in the S and P five hundred, he would have made more money. <laughs> well, nobody really knows. Uh, you know, the only thing I could say that he's that really impresses me is his compound in Florida. The uh, what is it? The Mara Marigold, I think, is the name. Or it's got a it's got like three words hyphenated. I forgot what it's called, but that, that's a nice piece of property, right? I mean, and that's his I, personal. I think the property. advantage of investing in real estate would be like you can visit it. <laughs> oh, you could live in it. You get a high rise. You live you on the top it. floor. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably be too cheap and, and sell that to somebody else and <laughs> just stay the, in the, the middle. Pen, you well, know? No, just take the penultimate floor, right? You know, like sell the top one and use that to pay for your or, penthouse. Or, or live on the bottom so I have to screw with the elevator. Yeah, maybe that too. Yeah. But then I'd want a pool, so that almost makes you have to go to the top. So I don't know. It does. Um, well, I mean, I think, I think one of the nice things about living in a building like that would be, uh, and I've, ne- I've never had this because I've always owned detached homes, but... Uh, I stayed at the Ritz Carlton in Maui one time, and uh, like when you walk in the door, they always they they know who you are. Like once you've checked in there, like mm-hmm. everyone, is, I don't know how they do this. Yeah, and Four Seasons used to do that too. Same, I've, like I've, they, like it's creepy. You, everyone knows your name. Like it's I don't creepy. know if they have like Facebooks that they're like. Yeah, like, I, I got on an elevator right after I checked in at the Four Seasons. Uh, Four Seasons, and they have elevator guy, elevator guys. Right? He goes. Uh, what floor, Mr. Kirkham? I was like, whoa, I just checked in, man. <laughs> You're weirding me out. Do they have like earpieces and like they're I like, I don't know. Mr. Kirkham is coming. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. But it'll make but you yeah, want to stay yeah. there again, right? I mean, because you're like, you know, like nobody else is like. Is, is it, it, like well, a, now this was Washington, so who knows what else is really good. He, you know, he may not even work there. Maybe they don't have an elevator guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I just got conned, right? And I'm getting tabs on me. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's that was funny. I think that's the only time I've ever stayed in the Four Seasons. I've stayed at Ritz a few times, um, but uh, I like but, I like the Ritz. But the uh, I did some analysis and determined that I could rent a condo with two bedrooms for the same price I was paying the Ritz. And like, there's no one there to greet me, but I get a kitchen and two bedrooms, so that's pretty good. Well, I, I've been on a mission to stay at all the Waldorf properties around the world. And so far, I've only done domestic, right? But, <laughs> but uh, what I discovered in the the three or four that I've been in so far, there's a world of difference between a Waldorf and the Waldorf, because I stayed in the Waldorf, and now the rest of them are a Waldorf, right? right. So the one right. in Key West, well, I pulled up to the front door on that, and I go, Ashley and I stayed here 20 years ago. It was it's the Casa Marita Marina. And it was a Marriott property then. It was just a plain old Marriott. Well, now it's a Waldorf. Because yeah, I, I do, the, all, Hilton, they all, they I do all, the Hilton loyalty program. Yeah, they all just swap ownership, right? Right. And Key West has got two Waldorfs. they got the Reach and the – so it's kind of bizarre. Of course, that's all turned into a whole different animal than what it was 20, 30 years ago. The whole place is different now. It's all you know Hugo Boss stores on Duval rather than vomit and pee like it's supposed to be. By the way, uh, Shanghai is the same way, but really? they have but they have P right outside the Hugo Boss. <laughs> <laughs> but no chewing gum. No, no. That's Singapore. That's Singapore. Oh, that's right. I got them mixed up. Yeah, no. Uh, so chi- China is a very interesting place, and uh, like well, that uh, the the Ritz you stayed at's at Kapalua because uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, in yep. fact, we stayed at the Kapalua Bay, but not the Ritz, which is just right. Right before you get to the Ritz. Uh, this year we're staying uh, down in Kanapali, which is like a mile down the road. Yeah. Uh, at uh, some condos that are. Uh... Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a Waldorf. A Waldorf. <laughs> <laughs> I love Maui though. We last year we stayed in. Uh, we went to Kauai. And, yeah. Uh, Kauai was nice. Like I, I liked it. We we debated pretty heavily which island to go back to. Okay, so here's a question I ask. I like to ask seasoned travelers, and you like the beach, right? Yeah. Have you been to a finer beach anywhere in the world that's nicer than the Gulf Coast of Florida? Just for beach. Now, I'm not talking scenery and beauty and all of that, but, I mean, if you just want beach time, is yeah, there I mean, anywhere like, that's more – more? It, depend, it depends on what you want. So, like, the uh, – you said the south coast of Florida? Well, I, I'd say uh, anywhere from uh, Pensacola down to Fort Myers. I, it will yep. hands down be one of the best in the world. Yeah, I mean, like, if you like – especially if you like calm, 
seas as well, right? So, I mean, it's very swimmable. It's warm. Uh, you know, the white sand is there. And the water's a little clearer down towards the, the southern part. But, uh, and yeah, you can, I, I, would agree, I would agree with that. And the, um, and the sand is real fine and it's white. Yeah, well, yeah the, the beaches are fantastic. The, uh, the best waters I ever saw were definitely uh, probably the Cayman Islands. So yeah. the, the Caymans, right like where the cruise ships come in, it is this bright blue that it, like you know you see it in all the photos and you just never think you're actually going to see it but it looks just like that that bright blue. well the keys if you drive through the keys there's beautiful waters all through there but the beaches aren't they, they suck in the keys because of all the limestone and everything well, so cayman cayman has the seven mile beach so if you ever get a chance to go it's, it's really nice it's it's a bit americanized for for probably some people's taste i actually prefer the eastern caribbean uh i like saint lucia that's my probably my favorite or antigua's pretty nice especially if you like to you know uh, have some offshore accounts where you can also do some internet gambling uh but uh yeah i like i i I like the caribbean it's uh but since we live on the west coast now hawaii is the is the most frequent destination yeah well i don't think the beaches there are that great i mean they're nice and everything like that but uh um, I like the whole thing because I, I, you know, I'm a photographer, so I well, like it's to... a, it's stunningly beautiful there. Uh, you know, it really is, and um, uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I don't think anybody should not go to Hawaii. Uh, it's just a, just a great place to go. But uh, yeah, I, was, I would always have a thing for Gulf Coast beaches. If you just want beach time, you're reading a book and you, you're, you're doing the, the, you know, the, the lounge chair with the umbrella thing. And you just want to knock a few beers back and relax. Might as well. And it's, it's convenient. And it's cheap. For, yeah. It's, you know, it's easy. Everybody speaks the language. Yeah, Take that's the right it. currency. Well, it, now, in the, now the area where I go this time of the year, there's a lot of uh, Scandinavians, Norwegians there. And, you know, <laughs> you, you know, they're tall, right? They're tall and blonde. So you know, that, you, know they're, you know they're from Norway or Sweden or Amsterdam, right? But that, that particular area is where a lot of Europeans go on vacation in Florida. That's funny. I hadn't really considered that... Uh, you know, I, I, I guess if you're looking for something, you know, they probably consider America fairly exotic, you know, especially oh, Florida. Well, it's not cold. <laughs> <laughs> you can go. I mean, like there are plenty of beaches in the, in the south of France and, 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 and Spain and, and Italy. And, and last know. year I went to the Grand Bahama and that's where they, there was a lot of Scandinavians. I think it's something about their vacations. They like to do them in May, April, May. I don't know. My, my, my next place for exotic islands is definitely going to be the Greek. Greek islands. So. Oh man, I do want to go there. So you know they they film uh, the Big uh, Blue was one of my favorite. It's a free diving movie. That's it's the scenery and that cinematography in that movie is phenomenal. I don't know who made it. I can't remember the director, but it was uh, it, the the plot's not that great, but the scenery cinematography is just great. Yeah. So Davos is where they film uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. And so it's in Croatia, and uh, it's uh, it's supposed to be pretty epic. I haven't been there, but I, I, they, we did our, uh, our company did, they have a, if you sell enough, you get into president's club. It's like, you got to make 120% of your quota. And if you do, they take you and one of your guests, like any, like where they pick in the world. And so like they did one in Davos one year and it was just, it was gorgeous. Right. Wow. Yeah. Enterprise software sales is a, is a a pretty good spot to be. I mean, like these guys, these guys are doing all right. Well, uh, thanks for being on the show, Clint. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, it's been a pleasure uh, going out to lunch and right here in beautiful Montclair. Montclair. Yeah. We drove up to, and we drove up, and you got a great view of the bay. So. Yeah, I'll have to put uh, a couple of those pictures up on the uh, the post, and of course the show notes with all the movies. I'll, I'll and send you links to a couple of my uh, photos from up there as oh, well. Oh yeah, yeah. I, and, and something I have not mentioned is Clint is one hell of a photographer. And and where do you have most of your photos? Uh, uh, Clint dot photography. So. Ah, there it is right there. And and you also have uh you post them to uh Yeah, I'm, they're on they're on they're on you can follow me on Facebook, you can follow me on Twitter, uh twitter.com slash Clint Sharp or uh I'm on Flickr, I'm on everything. So if you go to my website it's got all my social shit. So Yeah. I will we'll put links on that and it'll uh just look in the show notes. Thanks again. All right, thanks. Mm-hmm. That's it for the show. We'll see you on the next episode of First Principles.